Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast with your host, Brian Eisenhower. This podcast is brought to you by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC provides customized and structured coaching and training programs for real estate agents and team leaders, representing many of the top producing agents in North America. ICC also offers broker and owner consulting on agents recruiting, training, and retention. For more info, visit EisenhowerCoaching.com or find us on Facebook. Right now, the bigger the number is going to get you, the bigger the results is more people that we can market to in our annual database contact plan. It's more people that we can be Facebook retargeting ads to, to gaining mind share on. Because more the more people you've got in there, it's the more listings you're going to get this year. In this training, I, I want to talk about what is your sphere of influence? How do we grow it? How do we build it? Who goes in it? How do we manage it? And then in our next training, I want to talk about how do we create a plan to contact it? We call that an annual database contact plan. So how do we set that up? How do we automate it? How do we determine how many different types of contacts we're going to make? What does that look like? And then I want to talk about all the different ways to make contacts going forward. So then we're going to talk about, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can contact and grow your sphere of influence. It's more like advanced SOI. Um, so it's going to be, and, and that's what I want to talk about for a while here, because this is the bulk of your, your sphere of influence is the bulk of your business, right? And just at its core, you say, who belongs in your sphere of influence? Guys, there is a very low threshold for this. It does not have to just be your best friends, although they should be in it. It doesn't have to be your family members, although they should be in it. It does not have to be your coworkers, although they should be in it, or your neighbors, but they should be in it too. We're gonna expand the rule to anyone that you know by name that would also recognize you by name, okay? That's the test, that's the threshold, okay? So if you said, okay, there's that guy that checks me out at the grocery store every day, and I've been going to that same grocery store for five years. And if I said, hey, Johnny, grocery store checker guy, do you know who Brian Eisenhower is? And Johnny would say, yeah, I know who Brian Eisenhower is. He's that guy who comes in here every couple of weeks. That's good enough for me. All we need is his contact information. And this guy would, you know, if he received any marketing material from me or a Facebook friendship request from me, I wouldn't be spam. He'd probably accept the request. He would know who I am if I marketed to him, which means I rise to above the level of spam. But if they wouldn't recognize me at all or would have no idea who I am, then you do not belong in my SOI, okay? So let me be clear about this because this is a huge mistake most people do is they'll go to an open house and they'll have 20 people through it and they'll just throw them all in their SOI database. Well, I met them all. None of those people remember who you are. You have no relationship with them. You haven't established it. So those do not belong in your sphere of influence. And I'll tell you why. Other people that don't belong in there, just residents of it, like I want to farm a neighborhood, you know? And, and so I get all their contact information and throw them into my SOI database, assuming they already know who I am. Any marketing materials I send to them is going to be treated as spam. So it's very hard to justify mailing nice, expensive mailers on a regular basis to a bunch of people I don't know because the return won't be high enough because half of them are just going to throw it away like it's spam mail. So random mailing to people we don't know is not going to get the same high return 
as targeted mailing to people we already are in relationship with. There's a whole different strategy around it. Does that make sense? Like for example, if I send a just listed mailer or a just sold mailer because I'm a new agent to someone who's a local doctor that I know, there that makes sense because the doctor knows me and trusts me and likes me probably. But would he really trust me to list his $2 million house for sale? Probably not. He probably knows I'm new or did, didn't even know I was in real estate at all. But if I start to slowly evidence my success by showing him that I am listing and selling property, he might start to say, wow, that guy's succeeding. And also see that I hustle, that I'm actually doing activity. And he'll start to get comfortable with me as a real estate agent that might represent him. That makes sense. But if it was just some doctor in a neighborhood I didn't know, it's a lot harder because he's probably never gonna look at the freaking mailer because he has no idea who I am. If he knows who I am, he's gonna say, oh, that's Brian, that's my client. Oh, okay, yeah, look, he's, you know, and so he's gonna pick it up and give it some attention. But if he doesn't know me, the likelihood, the way that I'm gonna penetrate his mind share is much slimmer. So if we're gonna spend money on marketing materials to our SOI, which most of the time we don't have to market to our SOI, the most of the bulk of it is, is done through a small portion of your annual contact plan, which is mailers. That's probably the most expensive thing a new agent should be spending money on is, is, is an occasional mailer. And depending on your contact plan, which we'll talk about, you know, you could be doing a mailer every quarter, a mailer every month, it depends on your price range. It depends on a lot of different considerations, which we will talk about. Um, I was planning on talking about your contact plan next, but it's really important that we maintain a scrubbed SOI that doesn't include a bunch of people we don't know. Because if you all of a sudden get a thousand people in there because you just put a bunch of people in there from maybe, maybe you buy online leads and you don't know any of them and you don't follow up with them and you know, you don't establish a relationship with them and you just dump them all into your SOI. It's going to be really hard to send them all a mailer to wish them a Merry Christmas or, or take the time to do handwritten notes for each one of them at Christmas time or send them all an invitation to your client event that you're having. It just gets expensive. So you're not going to do it at all. It becomes cost prohibitive and you're not going to know who the people you should be sending these mailers to or who not. It does what we call water down your SOI. We cannot have a watered down sphere of influence because if you water it down, it is brutal to correct that problem. Has anybody ever had that? Has anybody ever had a watered down SOI? I don't know. I can't tell if you guys, yeah, Rick has. Yeah. A few guys, I see that like it's real common um, and it can actually stunt you. It can actually ruin a career because then, I mean, you know how tedious it is to go back through like 1500 names and get through by, you know, trying to remember which were the ones I remember and which ones I don't. Trying to weed them out is extremely difficult, extremely difficult. So let's make sure we don't let it get watered down. When we scrub down that database and we water down that database, there is a way to get out of it, okay? So I'm gonna tell you what that way is and try to explain that to you. But you're basically just gonna have to go through it out, you know, sort them alphabetically in your CRM or on your Excel spreadsheet and scan through them. And you're looking for anyone that you can't remember by name. And you're gonna put a little check mark next to it. 
and just those are all the ones that need to be removed. And we're going to, you know, maybe you go through 50 a day or 100 a day and put little check marks next to everybody in your SOI that doesn't belong there, which means I can't remember this person. And then you're just going to go back and delete them all once you're all done. And we've got a watered down SOI that's been taken care of. If you do get to someone you're unsure of, like I kind of remember them, I don't know where they're from, that's a great excuse to reach out and contact them and just say, hey, this is uh, this is Brian Eisenhower. How have you been? Great. Hey, I'm just doing a, want to do a much better job in the, in, in the future. And I really would love to be able to send you a nice little holiday card over the holidays. So I want to check and make sure I have the, the correct mailing address for you. And everybody receives that well if you ask for the mailing address. And at that point in time, they'll, they'll, they'll update it for you and say, great, hey, while well, I've got you, is this still the correct email address for you? Excellent. Thanks. How you been? And you can kind of reinvigorate that SOI member. You don't even really need to ask how you know them. At that point in time, it's been reinvigorated. So if you get to someone who you're not sure of, that you think you do know, and you don't remember where or what, you can always make that extra phone call. If that stops you though, because you're too afraid to do that, or you're not used to doing that, or you just haven't disciplined yourself, just delete them and move on. The key is get everybody, we got to get a workable database as quickly as possible. That's the key, is a workable database as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you will become paralyzed with a watered-down database. And I've seen that last 10, 20 years for people. So don't do that. It's a very dangerous and massively common pitfall, okay? So this whole concept, which is why it's so crucial to stay in front of people, is we use a database contact plan throughout a year to gain mind share over time, okay? And the whole concept of mind share is a concept where when they think of real estate, they think of you. And this is what's really crazy. Most people know 20 to 30 agents, but if you ask them on the spot, hey, give me all the real estate agents that you know, they'll usually only be able to tell you two or three off the top of their head. And I've tested this one my entire career, more than 30 years I've, I've ran this test. And then slowly, like the spouse might say, well, we know Debbie too, remember Debbie Taylor. And we know, oh yeah, oh yeah. Those are people that have no chance. You gotta be one of those for, cause that the, the human mind only allows for the retention of so much information, especially upon, you know, on the spot recall. So the way you do that is you earn mind share over time, right? And we do that through a database contact plan where we stay in front of them subtly throughout the year through a bunch of different types of contacts. It's some are like subtle Facebook posts, retargeting Facebook ads. Uh, it could be phone calls, could be text messages, can be mailers. Um, it could be, you know, client events, doing annual property analysis. It could be, you know, commenting on their Facebook posts. It could be Instagram, it could be direct message on, on social media, et cetera, et cetera. And we teach and we train and we're gonna go over all of that stuff and how to do it all. But it's a subtle blend of all of it never in your face, never offending. So if you're worried, I'm just not that person, I don't wanna turn my friends off, then we're doing it the wrong way. Cause we gotta find ways to do it that doesn't tick people off. And if there's a way that does it, that, that makes you too uncomfortable, probably doing it wrong. Probably doing it wrong. Probably saying it wrong. So we gotta adjust it. And the key is to make the contacts. I, I, I am not one of those persons that's tied to my scripts or my dialogues or my methods. As long as it keeps you in front of them, I'm happy with it. Okay, I'm happy with it. I mean, there are certain things you can say and do that make me happier, but if you're just doing something at all to stay in front of your people, you're in the top 1% of licensed real estate agents. 
well more than 99% of real estate agents never stay in touch with their own book of business. People always ask me, why do like 10% of the agents do 90% of the business? Because 90% of the business, the agents don't do anything to get business. I mean, I guarantee you there's a ton of people listening to this that have heard they need to get their sphere of influence together and contact them that have not done it yet. I would say it's the vast majority of you. Well, time for new resolutions, right? Here's why I know Mindshare works. Mindshare works because look what all the successful companies do. I mean, how many times do you watch sporting events and mindlessly watch the same beer commercials over and over, you know, or Coca-Cola's everywhere? I mean, Coca-Cola's not even telling you why to buy Coca-Cola. It's just a big sign that says freaking Coca-Cola. Like it doesn't say why Coca-Cola. I mean, I think it might say enjoy Coca-Cola. Like it's an embedded command, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. But it's just up there. There's no sales pitch. It just sits there like a big red sign, Coca-Cola. Why? It's going for Mindshare. You've heard of subliminal marketing? That's exactly what it is. It's just sitting there staring at you. The more you see it, the more you think of Coca-Cola. The more when you're thirsty, the more you grab a Coke. It just grabs that marketing. When you go to reach for a soda or order a soda, if, if your mind, your reticular activator has been exposed to Coca-Cola more, you're going to say the words Coca-Cola upon recall. That is science that has been proven time and time again. So the agents that put themselves out there and gain the mind share of those in their book of business without getting restraining orders or offending people, preferably by coming from contribution and adding value, which we're gonna show you how, will get the best response from their book of business. They'll be the one or two agents that members of their SOI recall when they need to. And that's why. Now, with that being said, that also makes me concerned that I'm assuming something. Like I told you, when 10% of the agents do 90% of the business, understand that's true in just about any MLS across the country. And if you've never looked at like your MLS rankings, a lot of times brokers have access to that. You can look at any, it used to be 80-20 at some point. Um, I think when I started looking at it, it was 85-15. Now it's 90-10. You can look and you can just see that, a, like if you have a thousand people in your multiple listing service, because it's a round number, you will see that 65, 70% of them have not done a transaction in the last year. It's crazy. And then you'll see that only like some crazy, crazy small number, like a hundred of them have done more than 10 deals, 10 transactions in the last year. The vast majority are starving. And that's the reason, quite frankly, I, and I've been in real estate. I mean, I've owned real estate brokerages. I've sold real estate. Um, I've done almost everything in the real estate industry, but why do I run a coaching company now? Why? Because of that problem. Because, you know, like everybody else, I want to make money, but I, I prefer to do something that's meaningful to me that I enjoy along the way. And I have found that the biggest problem in real estate has been the vast majority of agents do not succeed. And that's because I've learned over the years of operating tons of very large real estate brokerages. I, there's this, all the, the agents that fail, fail for the exact same reason. They don't fail because they're having a hard time with customer service. In fact, they don't even fail because they don't know what to do. Most of them know what to do. They just don't do it. 
So they get the knowledge. Almost everybody quits knowing they should have got their sphere of influence together. They just have different excuses why they couldn't, which none of them are good excuses, by the way. It's not, I'm not asking you to dig a ditch or, you know, build a space bridge or, you know, I, I, I'm not, or, you know, I, I'm just saying, spend some time to put some names in an Excel spreadsheet. So they go get a, a terrible high paying job where they have to do something much more difficult than that. But they found that their own self-motivation is the problem, which is where coaching comes in. They know what they need to do. They just can't make themselves do it. They can't get out of their own way, right? And here's what they do. They rely on natural motivation. They think their own natural motivation will get it done. So what they do, typically, you know, at certain periods, like in the winter, especially after New Year's, they get natural motivation. I'm going to really get after it now because I just had a depressing holiday season. You know, I was kind of bummed. I ate too much, blah, blah, blah. This year, I'm going to really turn around and I'm really going to give it a go. So I'm motivated and they get really motivated for a while. And then spring starts to roll around and they might even get some clients. They get one or two clients and it's like, I'm busy. Oh my God, I got two clients. I got to show property, show property, show property. I'm so busy. I'm going to talk. I got to go tell everybody in the office about my two clients. Oh my gosh, I can't find anything. Then I got to complain about the lack of inventory for three weeks. There's no inventory. There's no inventory. There's no inventory. So I'm, I just get all worked up with my two clients. Guys, you can handle about 30 clients, but you forget about that. You declare yourself busy. You shut down your marketing department 100%. You stop trying to get business. You stop contacting members of your SOI. You abandon your annual database contact plans because you're too busy and you don't have time. You're gonna focus all your time on these two clients. You're gonna write some offers you don't get because there was 40 offers on every property. You're gonna complain about low inventory. You're gonna be upset, blah, blah, blah. You're gonna start doing weird things like writing letters to apartment complexes and things like that. You're gonna completely abandon everything. This is what happens. I mean, I'm talking 90% of you. So I'm just trying to hedge you off at the pass here because that natural motivation is gonna go away. It's going to completely disappear. So do not rely on natural motivation. Stop saying, well, I just want to do it because I want to do it. I want to find something I want to do. Stop it. This is not the industry for you unless you change that. You need to manufacture your own motivation. That's the key. Or you will shut that marketing department down. If you just want to do something that feels right, wrong industry. And I'm telling you right now, I've seen this for too long. That's why so many people go work a nine to five at 40 hour work week because it's so much easier to have someone tell you what to do for fear of getting fired. When you get your own freedom, crazy town kicks in up in your mind and you're the mayor of it and it gets bad. Bad decisions get made all the time, okay? So we must keep our marketing department open at all times, okay? Otherwise, what you're gonna do, I mean, I'm telling you, okay, let's, you know, let's, you know, make contacts and do things to generate business i.e. follow our annual database contact plan for an hour or two a day, five days a week, an hour or two a day, five days a week. Let's say the bare minimum, an hour a day. No, let's do two. Two hours a day doesn't seem that hard, right? It's 10 hours a week of trying to get new business, some activity, and, and showing property to an existing buyer is not trying to get new business. That is existing. That is a lead that you are converting. That's not new business. That's servicing. There's a big difference between customer service and income producing activities. I've never seen anyone quit real estate because they couldn't handle providing customer service. This isn't rocket science. 
look around. No one here is a rocket scientist. Look at us all. Number two, just kidding. Y'all look super smart. Number two, income producing activity. Everyone quits because they don't have enough income. And they almost always declare they don't have enough time to do income producing activity. I'm saying 10 hours a week. Let's say you work a, in, you know, a average of 40 hours a week. The 40 hour work week is pretty well accepted in the world. That would be 25% of your time is spent on income producing activity. And 75% of your time would be spent on customer service. I don't know any company that's successful in this world that would devote 75% of its time and resources to customer service. That would be a company most people would not want to buy stock. In. They would want it front heavy on income producing activity. I'm just saying, give me 25%. Better yet, start with just, you know, 12 and a half percent. Give me one hour a day, five hours a week. That's an eighth of your time on the one thing that you want. Because if you look at your goal, I'm sure it's to sell more real estate this year than last year, which means you need to do activities that will help you generate more income this year than last year. But then we start talking about time commitment. It's like, oh, I have very little time for it though. I need to spend all my time providing customer service to my two freaking clients. So don't believe up here. No matter how busy you get, continue with your one to two hours a day. Keep your marketing department open. We can't shut it down for three months at a time, or you're gonna have a gap in production where you have no income for the following three to five months. We don't shut that down. We can shut other things down, but we don't shut down our marketing department ever, 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 ever. Okay? And for all of you out there watching, you're gonna hear all these different ways, you know, in real estate to generate business. Tons of them, because there's a lot of ways to generate business out there. But I will tell you right now that working your sphere of influence is always at least half of any top producing agent or team's business, at least half. Usually it's 60 to 70 to 80%. If you're an agent on a real estate team and that team is providing you leads, those are overflow leads, those are online leads. No good self-respecting team wants you to make a living off those. They're just giving you those leads to supplement your income until you can build up your own sphere of influence. Because your own sphere of influence is always going to be a higher price point. It's always going to be much easier because they know and trust you. You don't have to nurture them for months at a time and gain their trust. Listings always come from SOI. You don't randomly find listing leads online very often, guys. It does happen, but very, very rarely because people that have listings, no agents, agents, you know, have, you know, one person will be in five different agent spheres of influence. So people are all competing for those. So if you want listings, that's going to come from your SOI. There are other ways to generate business and, and at ICC, we coach all of them, right? We coach farming, we coach, um, you know, prospecting, we coach online lead conversion, we coach um, expired and FISBO, circle prospecting, all of those things work but they cannot be your livelihood. Those are ways to grow your SOI and meet new people and give you some additional income while you're building up a strong SOI. But most top producing agents at some point in their career start getting so much business from their well-cultivated and well-maintained SOI that they can barely have time to, to look to other sources of business because they're having such a hard time managing all the income that's coming from their SOI database. That's where you need to be. 
Because at some point, you will get tired hunting and chasing for new business from people you don't know. At some point, you'll really appreciate the come list me phone call. When someone just calls me and trusts you and says, can you come list my property or tell me what my property's worth? That, you don't have to do any work for that. So you gotta start, but, but to do that, you have gotta put the time in up front. And you've gotta work on it. When you first become a new agent, especially, and even every winter, you know, you always want more business. So what do you do? You say, well, I don't want to waste time with my SOI. Those are a bunch of people that I know don't want to sell or buy right now. I just want to get the people that want to sell or buy right. Now. Well, that is the wrong attitude. That's like the kid who gets out of high school and says, I don't want to go to college. I want to put some money in my pocket right now. So I'm going to go work at the movie theater. The kid who goes to college and builds for the future comes back and he's a freaking neurosurgeon or something and, and makes a bunch of money later. That's what I want you to do. I want you to have that mindset, build that business for later too. And that's what you're asking. You will generate a lot of business right now from your SOI if you put it together right now, because you're gonna be making contacts. A lot of them are gonna to wanna to buy and sell, but many of them won't, but they will provide your business later on. That's your savings account, okay? So really important you put that time in. Don't just jump for the low hanging fruit right now. Don't just jump over to get that business that you think wants to buy or sell right now. And don't get addicted to that. Don't get addicted to somebody else's leads. Even if you're on a team, don't just, because no one gets their real estate license thinking, man, I want to be a telemarketer and just prospect for business over the phone for people I don't know for the rest of my career. No one has those goals. I never met that person. They all assume that at some point people are going to call them. So if you're on a real estate team, man, do the work up front so that you aren't so dependent on the team's leads. If you run a real estate team, encourage your agents on your team to build their own spheres of influence within the structure of the team and the tools of the team and the support of the team. If you're a solo agent, which I'm sure most of you are, man, you got to build your own book of business here. Don't just jump for low-hanging fruit, build a career. And trust me, you'll get a lot of low-hanging fruit from building that career. It's crucial. And there's tons of ways to do it. So there's always ways to do it. But first, we got to set it up and grow it. And here's what we need. We need a database, okay? <clears throat> so what we're going to need initially is everyone's name, physical address, email address, phone number, and we're going to need to connect with them on social media. Typically, that's going to be Facebook and Instagram. I'm not going to get into, you know, yes, it's good to be on Pinterest and LinkedIn and, you know, all the other different social media channels out there. Don't get me wrong, but I got to draw the line somewhere for simplicity. So Facebook and Instagram by far are the most important for real estate agents. So I need those things. So we can spend an entire year just gathering that information finding them on Facebook, finding them on Instagram, reaching out to them if we have our phone number and asking for their mailing address so you can send them something over the holidays. And then when they give you the mailing address, oh, by the way, do I have the right email address for you? Or maybe we're just Facebook friends with them. We don't have their phone number. So we, we, use, the, we use the contact info we got. 
So we might reach out to them with a direct message on Facebook and say, hey man, I'm, I screwed up. I missed you over the holidays. Can I get your mailing address so I can send you a Christmas card, let's say next year. And they're always gonna give you your email address, for their, their mailing address. I mean, everybody freaking loves holiday cards. I mean, people collect them. Like I know my wife throws them up all over the house. I mean, it's almost like a badge of honor how popular you are. Getting, I mean, even if we get one from our pest control guy, that thing's going up. You know, it's one more, we're that much more important. You know, and everyone's that way, I think. I don't know, maybe we're just weird. So people will give you their mailing address. And then once they get, hey, by the way, well, I got you. What's your email address? Do I have that right for you? So you start gathering it. You use what, if you got an email address, you email them and ask for it. Hey, I'm just trying to update my database. Make it personal so they know it's not spammy. Can I get your physical address so I can send you something over the holiday? Or you're going to see as we learn more and more about ways, you can say, hey, I want to send you some info about your house. And we can set up an annual review that way. Just need to know your your new, you know, your your new phone number, your, your best email address. And you can send them a CMA on their house and set up an annual review so we can do that with them. Lots of different things we're going to cover here. But the key right now is we got to update your database and we need that contact information, okay? So a great thing to do when we get done here is to say, hey, I am going to reach out to, you know, at least 20 people per day for the next two weeks. And that's going to be intense, man. It's going to take you two or three hours a day. A whopping 35% of your uh, time spent on growing your business though. And I'm going to grow my database. I mean, if you did that for just two weeks, 20 people a day, you would add, I mean, you'd be reaching out to 200 people, 10 business days. Maybe that's too aggressive. Maybe you could just do 10 a day. That's fine. Get yourself a number and move forward and use the contact avenues you have. Remember, we need those five things. We typically have their name, I hope. So we really only need four things. We need their email address, their physical address, their phone number. We need to we need to connect with them on social media. So use the channel that you do, you are connected with them on. And typically I'll go through your phone and I'll go through your Facebook friends list. Those are the two places you usually have the most contacts that are not in your CRM, your customer relationship management system. And that's where we need to get them all. Because once they're all there, we can do so many cool things with them even on Facebook, okay? And I'm foreshadowing retargeting Facebook ads and things like that. We can export that database into Facebook now and run ads at them and show videos to just our SOI and things like that. We're gonna cover all that stuff, different ways to market to your SOI, okay? So um, a couple of things I wanna show you really quick, and these are two and give you that I think you will like. I'm gonna give you some scripts here. This is your SOI script to update your database. It says, Hi, this is Brian Eisenhower with you know ABC Real Estate. How are you today? I'm calling because I'm updating my customer service database. Notice that I'm missing some contact information, like your home address. Plus, I need to do a better job of staying in touch with people I know. And I'd love to send you something over the holidays and from time to time. Would that be okay with you? Great. So let's see. It looks like I need your email address or I need your physical, you know, whatever thing we don't have, we ask for. It's a real simple script. If this is not comfortable to you, get a pen out and jot it down and make the changes you need to make it comfortable. I don't have a problem with you modifying my script so long as you're reaching out and using it. And at some point, you are actually asking for their contact information, okay? Then the other thing I strongly recommend doing is 
when we stay in contact or when we when we set goals like I'm going to try to contact five or ten people, track it and measure it. Okay, track it and measure it. Use a sheet like this of some sort. So you, if you're going to call 20 people a day, like we talked about, or call and or text, use it to track it, to follow up your progress, to see what type of new information and contact information we got or need to get. Okay. Tally it up. Just like if you, if you, you know, if you have a new year's resolution and you want to lose weight, get on the scale every day, measure it, keep track. If you do that, what you measure will expand and grow in your favor. I guess with weight loss, you don't want to expand and grow. You want to, you want to, you want to shrink <laughs> and not grow, <laughs> but you get the idea. What you focus on is going to improve. So I really need you focused on this because it's about as crucial a thing. It even has, if you want to use them, you can even ask for appointments. Like if you're asking for to do annual property analysis or annual reviews, or you want to do a face-to-face -face or a drop by, or if you're going to ask for referrals or things like that. Um, again, we, we can, we have some optional boxes use a form like this so that you actually monitor and track and you become diligent with this because i'm telling you if you think you're just going to do this on your own because i motivated you today i'm here to tell you that is not going to cut it for long that is not going to cut it for long you will need more than that and that's why all these tools are in place again these are stand on the shoulders of giants that have gone before you almost all top agents use these types of tools. Um, and what I'm going to share with you now is a different version of an SOI. This is just a little bit more generic. It's an SOI member contact form and it's very fillable, uh, just like the other one was. These are fillable PDFs, so you can type and just fill them out. And again, it gives you a little bit more. It just lets you know, you know, phone number, email, mailing address, and you can just fill in your own. Okay, as you gather this information from them, you can kind of fill in here and freestyle it any way you want to. So you actually get the contact information written down. You can use both forms together that way as well too. Um, so I'm gonna start throwing some of these in so you guys actually can download these forms as well. Okay. While you're dropping those in there, I have a question if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so, uh, this past week I ran into another FISBO situation and I was using some of your scripts to kind of ad-lib the situation, but, uh, basically I had a client that liked the property that they saw on Redfin. Um, and I was confused initially cause I didn't see it on the MLS. So, you know, I did some digging cause I didn't know it was on Redfin at first. They just gave me an address, but I come to find out it's a FISBO and it's being, um, listed on Redfin through a third party for sale by owner website only. And that's not putting it on my local MLS. So um, I had to do some digging and uh, I used the coal lookup to reverse engineer getting a phone number for that contact to try and get in touch with the seller um, so that I could see if they would either let me represent or at least set up a meeting for the buyer. Um, timing was an issue, so I couldn't go through going through Redfin was not getting a response quick enough for the buyer's time frame because they're from out of town. And uh, I was trying to put them in touch with the seller before they had to go back to the Bay Area. Is there one, a better way about going and putting the FISBO in touch with a interested buyer? And two, is there a script for FISBO that kind of more so correlates with that type of situation? 
Well, first of all, if I have a buyer interested in a FISBO, the first thing I'm going to do is try to set a buyer consultation and I'm going to try to set the FISBO. And the first thing I'm going to say is, hey, I'm trying to set a listing appointment here, trying to get a showing, but I'm having a hard time scheduling it. The, 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 the seller is being non-responsive right now. I'm just having a hard time getting ahead of them, getting a hold of them. So that'd be the first thing I did. Then I would quickly try to move them into a buyer consultation appointment where we can actually sit down and look for all the properties they're looking for just in case that one doesn't work out. Whether that be a Zoom meeting or an in-person meeting, I'm always moving to an appointment. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances, a big cardinal sin of real estate. Do you just jump for buyers to show single properties ever? No, no, no. I completely agree. And it's what I do. I was helping another agent out with their client. I was opening doors for one of their clients because that agent was out of town. So it's not wasn't okay. wasn't my client that have the buyer's consultation with. I was just trying to go above and beyond by helping them find the property that they wanted. Okay, so then I would use that buyer because it's a legitimate buyer. I would then I would just try to set the the the, the, the appointment with the with the Fisbo. That's just like you couldn't get a hold of them. That's fine, and just say, hey, can I come look at the house? They left town. They're not there anymore. Can I go in there and do a FaceTime video for them? Any way to get yeah. in front face because you're trying to set the appointment again with the Fisbo. So now you're just trying to get to the FISBO, get a face-to-face -face with the FISBO. Okay, and so the moment's already passed. So using the cold lookup to try and get direct contact with the FISBO was my way of, uh, of trying to work it. It was unsuccessful. So now that the time's passed and I'm no longer in a rush, I could just try to go through Redfin for setting up an appointment to get through to them, or would you continue trying to reach out to them directly? Uh, it's listed with Redfin, but it's a FISBO? So it's a for sale by owner that's being uh, listed on a for sale by owner specific website and Redfin is pulling that data to list it mm. on their website. Yeah, I'd go that way. That's fine. Yeah. Just like a, just like an MLS listing e-alert like you might do with another one. So yeah, I'd do that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And make sure there's no exclusive listing agreement. That's the only thing. Like if they have an exclusive listing you know, some of those, you know, FISBO deals are actually listing appointments, not often listing agreements. But if it's not, I would just say, hey, man, you know, you've got this thing listed with a FISBO company, which means, you know, 90% of the agents aren't going to show your property because you're not represented. I mean, right now, exactly. it's a freaking nightmare. Like if they show your property to their client, their client actually gives you an offer, then they've got to sell their house. And if your deal falls through because you're not represented, then they're screwed. They lose their deposits on their house and all. I mean, it, it creates a financial nightmare. And that would be my question for the seller, not for the third party website, right? I'm addressing the seller directly right, yeah, whether or not they the have a listing agreement. Right, okay. Right. Yeah, I do whatever I can. I mean, you can use coal to get try to get there. You can go door knock that house, anything you can do. Like I'll door knock it. I'll leave a packet of information there, whatever I can. Say, I'm trying to show your property. Can't do it. Makes sense? 100%. Thank you. Okay, you bet. You bet. Okay, so moving back really fast, back to your SOI really quick. If we're going to grow your sphere of influence, okay, it is really, really crucial that we work with and try to update your database and grow it as big as possible. So like I've told you, going through your phone to jog your memory of all the people you know, then we're gonna go through Facebook. Those are the first two places. Instagram, any place you have a lot of social media contacts. If you're a big Twitter guy, I don't know. All the people that are local, that you know by name, that would know who you are. Don't just get random Facebook people that you don't know that you know wouldn't know who you are, okay? So make sure that you do that test. They would know who you are, okay? Then what we are going to do is start with your absolute strongest advocates, okay? because you may not have these people in your phone. 
Make sure all of your friends, all your spouses, your immediate family, your extended family, all of your relatives in the area, all of your coworkers, your spouse's coworkers, your past coworkers, your neighbors, your immediate neighbors that know who you are. These are people that have to see you regularly and that, let's just say it honestly, there will be guilt if they use somebody else. So let's tap into that guilt. Go with guilt. <laughs> because if they know that you're in real estate and you give them no excuse of not knowing because you stay in front of them and you work your mind share, your strongest advocates are almost obligated to use you. So let's make sure we capitalize those. Make sure that those are all in your list as well too, okay? So, because sometimes you aren't friends with them in Facebook and sometimes they're not in your phone. So let's make sure we exercise our brain. You know, if you've, if you've been married recently, go through your whole wedding list. If you have a neighborhood HOA directory, a church membership list, if you're a member of like any social club like Kiwanis or Lions or Rotary, get those lists. Those are all people that probably know you by name. I mean, to be safe, you can scan those. Go through your email contacts. What does your email say? Type in, you know, the last names of every letter of the alphabet to see which emails come up. All of those things to trigger all the people you might not know. You'll never have to do this again because we're going to keep a living, breathing, growing, evolving sphere of influence database going forward. But for now, we have to do it this one time, okay? Then we move on to a little bit more expanded groups. They may not be our strongest advocates, but we can start looking at general categories of people, okay? Like all of our acquaintances, all of our friends and acquaintances. So we look at our friends and who are their friends. Like when we go to our friend's birthday party and we, oh, that's right. He's always, David will always be there because John's friends with David. He may not be my friends, but he's acquaintance, which means he would know me by name. We have a person in common. So there's some peer accountability, some social accountability, which means he's going to be okay with the fact that I'm probably not going to steal his initial money or his earnest money deposit because we know so many people in common, it would make me look bad. Any clubs or organizations that we're a part of, you know, people we know from the gym, sports, kids sports, kids schools, kids teachers, tutors, extended neighbors, spouses, friends, People that work on your house, gardeners, pest control guys, garbage guys, UPS delivery men, people like that, okay? You need to rack your brain because we want to get as big as number. And, you know, in our next training, I'm going to show you what that number does. And that's going to blow your mind. So that's going to be exciting uh, next time. But then we need to really, really expand. And this is, this is the magic document for expanding that I want to show you. Um, and I'm going to share with you. This is the exercise I want you all to do. And what we do is we rack our brain to really expand it. So we use this list. You can see it. It's, it we look at all these different industries, right? And they're, and they're on here alphabetically. And you can see, it starts with accountants. So you think of all the accountants you know, all the people that own alarm and home security companies, all the appraisers you know. All the appliance stores you know, the architects, asbestos mitigation, uh, all the attorneys. I mean, everybody needs, you know, at least three or four different attorneys. You got to have a real estate attorney in your SOI, a wills and trusts attorney, a probate attorney. Um, you need to have a divorce attorney. All these people tell people when to buy and sell real estate. You should always have an accountant too, because they tell people when to buy and sell real estate. If you don't know them, you better get to know them. They need to be in your SOI. 
okay? Someone that handles wills and trusts and estates, auto body shops, auto car dealers, construction contractors, credit unions, all these people you know that might work at or own one of these businesses. You should have them all. And it wouldn't hurt to have two or three deep of each of them either, right? And the list goes on as the alphabet goes on, right? Um, different pool contractors, uh, locksmiths, gardeners, orthodontists, dentists, stockbrokers, your tailor, your pet sitter, pest control companies, pedicure people. All of these people on these lists, I want you to go through this and try to write down one or two people from each of those. You may not have any of their contact information, but now we can reach out to them and we can say things like, hey, I wanna have someone I refer business to. I got these people that move into town all the time. And I need to have a list of go-to people and I don't have a good accountant to refer my clients to. Are you okay with that? Great, give me your phone number, your email address, all that stuff. Now we're building out our SOI and we're adding value to people. We're making contacts to people. So don't give me an excuse that I don't know anybody or I'm new to my area or anything like that. You can grow this database just by coming from contribution and offering to add value to people. Okay, so we're going to throw that also in so you guys can actually use that list as well in the chat room. there. Okay, so I download that list, use that list so that you can actually rack your brain to go through all those different industries. Okay, and that script that I just mentioned, I'm going to provide to you as well. And I'm gonna show it to you first, and then I'm gonna give it to you. You can see it on the screen here in front of you. I'm calling because I'm updating my customer service database. Notice that I'm missing some contact information from you. Plus, remember this one, plus I need to do a better job of, and stay in contact from time to time. Very, very, very easy. Um, so you're gonna ask for these things, and I'm gonna add on here, while I've got you on the line, I wanted to ask you who you might know that might be looking to move in the near future maybe a friend, family member, or a coworker. Can you think of anyone right now? If you have courage asking that, that question, you don't have to. Again, I told you, you can ask whatever you want, but that's that extra piece where if you start doing that, you will start to get business right now. And more importantly, you'll get respect from people because it shows you have courage and confidence. The type of courage and confidence it takes to negotiate on someone's behalf in a real estate transaction, to market and aggressively market someone's home for sale. Trust me, they're not gonna knock you for that. You're just asking if they know anybody else that's looking to buy or sell real estate. And we also have a social media SOI direct message script down here below. So even if you're not talking to them on the phone or via text, you could actually, excuse me, you could do this via text or by a direct message, the same exact while. Uh, reasons we're trying to get more contact information from these people that now we may not know as well as our strongest advocates, okay? So it's very important. I'll drop that script in the chat as well too. But that's our key today is I want you to grow that SOI. I want you to get a big number so that you then can turn around and grow that SOI database over time. But right now, the bigger the number is gonna get you, the bigger the result is more people that we can market to in our annual database contact plan. It's more people that we could be Facebook retargeting ads to, to gaining mind share on. Because more the more people you've got in there, it's the more listings you're gonna get this year. It's the more mind share you're gonna get from more people. It just increases your number. 
next training, we're gonna talk exactly about what those numbers are, what ratio you can expect, how many contacts we're gonna do, what your different annual database contact plans can look like. We're gonna set your system up next week. So please be here for that training. Um, that's gonna be our second training on SOI, um, what I'm gonna call module two. In the meantime, let's go ahead and grow that database, okay? So our first and foremost um, priority is to grow that database, use the systems I showed you, go with your strongest uh, advocates, expand into the different categories of people, then use that who do you know list where we go through all those different professions and grow it that way. Okay, and then we're gonna start reaching out to them and trying to fill in the different contact information from each of those, okay? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch Brian's training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or find us on social media. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they're available.